0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the YouTube Success Podcast. And just like you've seen on many of these episodes, another person who's not officially technically a YouTuber. Have you got a YouTube channel, Robin? I didn't even look. I, I do. You? Yeah, I thought, yeah, right? yeah. It's it's small. I have a modest subscriber count, you know, okay, just, just well, around about
1: 3,000. Yeah,
0: we, we can talk about that as well, but I, that's not obviously not the reason why I got you on the, on the thing, so I uh, should call that out, sure. of course. So... The reason I brought Robin onto the podcast, YouTube success podcast is because Robin is one of the speakers at TubeFest. And when I spoke to Robin and asked him to do the session, I was like, actually, I wanted you to do the business track that we've got. And you guys will have known, because I've talked about this on the podcast, the difference we've got a creator track and a business track, but there's loads. I've got to talk to talk about Robin for, because if I give you a little bit of a backstory before he introduces himself. I'll tell you that we both spoke at an event. It was Johnny's, Johnny Hates Marketing. If you Google Johnny Hates Marketing, you'll find him. Uh, but we were both speaking at Johnny's event. When was that, Robin? Could, two years ago? Uh, coming up for two yeah, years. Uh, yeah, it will be 18 months ago Yeah, about yeah. two years ago. And I'd heard about Robin, and I don't think we'd ever met before. And, and a few people I know were coached by Robin. Um, but what happened, What the really nice thing that happened leading up to that event, and I t- told Robin about this in person at the time, is two separate people told me how great a person Robin was, how great a coach he was. And I remember sitting down for dinner with you at that event and saying, this is what I've heard about you, Robin, because a lot of the times when people talk about you and you're not in the room, you don't hear it, right? So I thought it was a really nice thing to yeah. to tell you about that. But the great thing is, is, I think there's a perception of business coaches, some business coaches, that it's not a great perception. And we're going to talk about that as well in this, in this session, but to hear those good things was great. And obviously since then we've met at a few other events and always, always, whenever I have a conversation with you, I always take away something and think, oh, that's a great idea. And So I'm sure you listeners, and if you watch it on the YouTube channel, you'll get some of that here today as well. So the first thing I do then Robin is I ask people awkwardly, if they're not prepped with this to introduce themselves. So over to you. Yeah, of course. So I give a
1: very quick potted history because I obviously want we want to get into the nuts of it, don't we, Matt? We want to get into the business stuff, really. So uh, I've got a short career of nineteen years in business. So I spent twelve of that running a marketing agency, doing web design and branding. Sold that agency in twenty sixteen. Went on a little bit of a hiatus then, whilst I figured out what it was that I wanted to do next. And I got uh, there were several people who saw me build and sell my agency. Who approached me and they were sort of agency owners and said, Hey Rob, that's really cool that you sold your agency. Do you think you could um mentor us and tell us how you did it? So I did a bit of informal mentoring, unpaid, just because I wanted to give a little bit back. And then my life coach challenged me at that particular point in my life. So this is eight years ago now, and said, Hey, have you ever thought about becoming a business coach? And my immediate thought, and I think this is probably what prompted the conversation today, was a little bit of sit came up at the back of my mouth and I thought oh, business coach because the whole coaching space has a there's a weird sort of um, vibe about it for those who aren't sort of in it, if that makes sense. And there's lots of good stuff. Don't get me wrong. There's a ton of really good stuff which comes out of the coaching space. But there's also a lot of stuff which I just really didn't want to be associated with. However, What it comes down to is when people jump onto Google or YouTube and search for help with their business, typically they search for business coach or business mentor. So it made logical sense that that became my moniker. Um, and now, so I've, I've written several books as well. So we might talk about those a bit later on. So that's just helped um, build my authority as a, as a business leader. Since I've gone on to work with over 700 business owners, mostly in the service client space. So they typically are small service businesses, maybe coaches, consultants, freelancers, charging time for money. And my job is to effectively help them productize their service, so stop charging time for money, and then package it up. Learn how to articulate their value. It's amazing how many small business owners really struggle to shout about how good they are and what good things that their products deliver for their clients. And again, most business owners haven't had any formal sales training either. So we sprinkle a little bit of sales pixie dust on into our program as well, just to give people a bit of confidence when they're in front of, um, you know, prospective clients that they don't, when they get asked that awful question at the end of the conversation, how much they don't panic and run out of the room. You know, we just want them to be able to confidently talk about
0: the value which they deliver. Excellent. And it's really funny because being able to say your prices is... Um, probably the biggest change I ever had in my business confidently describe your prices or or say them out loud you know I remember the when even when I had my first business somebody asked me what do you do and I remember whispering I've got a a video marketing agency I wouldn't really tell them you know I wasn't prepared to shout about it so if they'd asked me about prices as well I think I'd have died a little bit inside but now I'm very happy to talk about it in fact I put my prices on my website and stuff as well I'm, I'm more than confident of doing that and it's a big change. So great stuff that you do that. Now I would like to start with why someone would hire a business coach in the first place. You said you felt a little bit sick when someone said that my early experiences with business coaches were not great. So let's start there. Why would you hire a business coach?
1: Well, listen, I I don't have any formal qualifications, you know, to go out and I mean, I've gone on to get qualifications since. But when I first started out, I didn't have any certificate to say you can go out and coach other business owners. I did it. I'll be honest. I did it more so just from an SEO perspective, because that's what people were looking for. As time went on, I started to realize that actually like 80, 90 percent of business coaches out there actually don't really have any qualifications, but worse still, They don't have a lot of experience. I I was quite fortunate that I had 12 years of running an agency and I I didn't sell it for like millions of pounds. I sold it for I got about 100K for it, which was an earnout spread over two, two and a half years. Right. So I had enough to live on, but it wasn't like a huge amount of money. But I'd spent 12 years growing that agency to a point where somebody thought there was enough value in it to be able to sell it. Um, And so when I look at a lot of other business coaches out there, you've got the traditional business coach who is like grey haired, suited and booted, maybe come out of corporate world, you know, but hasn't had any necessarily experience with small businesses. And so they flounder a little bit and eventually find their way. But generally, they're quite nice people. But I've noticed in the coaching space, there's a lot of people out there who are just doing it just to line their own pockets and i know look we we do have to earn a living from what we do ultimately you know it'd be it would be great if i was in a fortunate position where i had enough of a bankroll where i could do what i do for free because i love helping business owners but uh, and i shouldn't let mrs Waite hear this either like i'll make sure she doesn't watch this recording but I would rather be poor, homeless, and destitute than take a client on just to line my own pockets. I want to take clients on that I, deep down, know that I can get amazing results for, that I can transform their lives. And I would say 80 90% of the coaches out there, not just business coaches, but life coaches, fitness professionals, this, that, and the other, whenever they sell a, a client, it's to pay their mortgage and put food on their table. And quite often I see coaches taking on clients they shouldn't be taking on. Because deep down they probably can't help them, um, and that's really that's one of my like my great you know my biggest values which I hold like very close to my heart is that I have to be able to um, help a client, you know, and we're not talking just make their life a little bit easier here. I want them to be able to earn more money. I want them to be able to go after the dreams which they set for themselves with their businesses. Um, you know, I, I, one of my favorite clients. It was just a a small web design agency, one of my first clients. You know, as a result of the work we did together, they've gone on to be able to go and get their first office in in town. They worked down near Clevedon. They've got married because they were able to save up enough money to get married. They had two young kids and they were in rented, so they've been able to save up a deposit to go and buy their first house. Those are meaningful differences that I can make as a business coach to people's lives. In a way, it's why I've steered clear of corporate it's why I work with small businesses. I could probably add a lot of value to some bigger businesses, but I love being able to directly see the the results and the effects of the work which I do with clients. The other thing as well is like, there's a lot of coaches out there. Who, so my job, Matt, when I start working with a client is to make sure that in six months time, they don't need me.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. So, so I've managed to coach them to a point whereby all of the questions that they've got th- that are in my sphere of knowledge. So, products, pricing, sales, a bit of marketing. After six months, I've done a brain dump and they can ask questions of themselves and answer them themselves. So they no longer need me. Now they might choose to carry on coaching with me because they enjoy the experience, they enjoy the support and the accountability and they still get value from it. But they don't need to coach with me anymore. And that's a really important delineation. There are so many coaches who just carry on selling session, sessions ad infinitum because they're poor.
0: Yeah. I hear that. Good. And and so would you say that your coaching is a mixture of coaching and mentoring them? Because, uh, again, if you're new to coaching as a concept, this is my definition and you I'm happy to be wrong in this definition. But to me, coaching is asking powerful questions and bringing the answers out from those people, because most people have the answers within yeah. themselves and challenging some of those things as well and then mentoring is okay it's tactics really it's like okay you've got this problem this is the route you take to go and solve that problem that's a good definition do you you agree with that
1: okay yes.
0: yeah yeah absolutely matt you got you got it absolutely okay. bang on Perfect.
1: and and you're right i'm probably like a mix between yeah. the two i'm like a hybrid of a coach and a mentor i use business coach because it's, it's quite again i've said it again before it's quite highly searched so therefore it makes sense to have it. Yeah moniker your business that people are going to search for and find. So yeah, so I do probably 50-50. The, 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 the analogy I use at this point is it's a bit like imagine you go and speak to a therapist, right? And you go and speak to a therapist because you want help with a specific problem. And they don't actually help you with it, they just ask you lots of questions, right? But they're the professional, and you go to them for, for like professional advice and help. And they don't ask, they just ask lots of questions, right? Then you go down a pub and you have a pint with a load of your mates and you bring a problem to the table, and all they do is like vomit unsolicited advice at you, and none of them are experts in it, right? So you can see that it's kind of like the wrong way around. So sometimes I think like the pure coaching approach again you've got to, there's an. I've got a certification in sort of pure coaching now which asking well formed questions and eking out to somebody what their goals and ambitions and dreams are thinking about their best thinking to get to that sort of destination but sometimes people just want to be told what to do and it's as simple as that for me I think you've got to have good coaches have a bit they they know when to lean in and just say go for it this is what you need to do
0: wicked yeah and I see that I think the I know some amazing coaches that would be really bad at strategy and tactics. And equally, when I look at you and what you do, again, you ask powerful questions that make you think, that make you look internally, and then you will give out tactics and strategy that helps with, you know, why don't you try this thing? Or when, when we're sat in Johnny's event and you were like to, I think it was to Mark, you was like, you know, what if you do what your prices and that's something to... Challenge and and make him do something. I I think for me, there's like an awkwardness around that challenging. But one of the things you said on Ali's interview, which we'll talk about in a second, is you said about people being in a comfort zone. And you said if you were to charge at something that's comfortable, that's not enough. You've got to be awkward with it. And I like the fact that you push beyond the the uh, comfort. Because it'd be easy just to say someone do this thing and and you'll be comfortable and you know see at that level, but you go and beyond that. Yeah. Another thing you said about it. Oh, so well, I've referenced Ali's interview now. So we'll, we'll, I'll just let the the listeners or the viewers know that one of the things in the show notes will be Robin's interview with Ali Abdul. Is that how you say his surname? Abdul. Abdul. Yeah. yeah. And. It's, it's about two and a half hours long. Uh, Robin told me you did this interview and I, was, I opened it. And I was expecting it to be like 50 minutes because I was doing my morning walk this morning listening to it. And I was like, bloody hell, it's long. But I watched it all. It's called Deep Dive. That's why. Yeah, Matt. yeah. <laughs> well, I watched it all because I was sitting there and you, you were taking wow. through certain things and you did this like role play stuff with him. And I just loved it because you broke things down really easily. So, I, again, like I mentioned, I'll, I'll link to it in the description. Um, But we had a conversation outside of that about the effect it had. And so this Mm. is where the YouTube stuff comes in. So if you don't know Ali, he's got like 5 million subscribers or something ridiculous, huge YouTuber. But what I'm about to say doesn't have to happen with huge YouTubers. It could be small, smaller creators as well. Really what you did there, he interviewed you for the podcast, but it's a collaboration, right? You're both there. You're both adding some value, just like this conversation. So can you tell us a little bit about how that come about? And then the impact it's had for you after that as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'll give like the pre-seed version. I'm not going to hide anything, but obviously I'm, I'm going to be mentioning this or talking through the process at TubeFest yeah. as well, just to give people sort of the full, the full sort of game plan for this. But it it was it was very intentional, actually. A lot of people, I think, end up on podcasts a bit by a happy accident. They don't necessarily do things intentionally. I was very fortunate actually. I had a bit of a head start because I knew Ali um, sort of around about lockdown, I was in a, a mastermind with him and six other people. And there was another amazing YouTuber in there actually, a guy called James Janney, who's got some phenomenal videos which he's created. I think he's tipped over a million subscribers himself now with only 14 videos, right? So he's yeah. going yeah. going great places, that guy is I in fact James yeah, sorry, it's a slight sideshow, but I can see James have eventually James Janney having like a series of Netflix do- documentaries. Like he's his quality of production and script writing is just absolutely out of this world so it's worthwhile pointing to him as well yep. but but yeah Ali's an interesting one so my first lesson that I got from Ali around video especially was um consistency you know Ali was like, the reason I ended up being a successful YouTuber was because I posted two videos a week for two years and that I just set that out as a goal and set to work on it and every video I decided I was going to do one thing just ever so slightly better and these are all little sn- snippets nuggets because I'm like a total novice when it comes to YouTube, right? Got all the gear but just I don't quite get it in terms of like from a, a social and marketing perspective necessarily yeah. yet. That, that's coming, it's, it's going to happen. But I was getting all these little nuggets from Ali and so I, I and eventually as I got to know him through that Sort of mentoring process. I started doing a bit more work with him. I helped him sort of structure the pricing for his course, which is called Part-Time YouTuber Academy. So I was, I, I just led with value. I was there on a mastermind, wanted to be helpful. Over a period of time as his business grew. So when I first got to know him, he was about, I think, seven or eight hundred thousand subscribers. As I started to get to know him, I got to know his team. So now I'm connecting with his team on LinkedIn, just doing a bit of, you know, just being helpful. Ali was like, oh, could you speak to Angus about X, Y and Z? So I just jump on a call and help just be helpful. Basically, I had no expectation of anything in return. I just did it because I enjoyed the work. I enjoyed working with Ali and Angus and the rest of the team. And it just felt it just filled me up. And I know I knew that I was also when you've got somebody of influence with a million subscribers, you know, that when you make a little impact in their life. That's getting passed down the chain, you know, and those impacts are like really, really important. So I always search for when I'm looking at partnerships, I'm looking at how can I help this person to create a bigger impact? That's a really important part of the process. And anyway, so things developed. And I I was like, when he launched Deep Dive, I got really excited because I thought, oh, you know, there's a possible opportunity here. Could I be a guest on that? And it was very fortunate. He got a copy of Take Your Shot and he mentioned it on two separate videos on his main channel and it, and it just went gangbusters i think um one epi- one episode contributed to about 800 sales on app, on amazon so his first mention the second mention he talked about me gifting a copy of it and i got about 4 or 500 leads in the first 48 hours right so it it's mental the impact of a good youtube channel and a and a warm subscriber base like that especially for me as a partner is like you know it it's monumental it's like completely shifts what marketing is like so you get, he starts Deep Dive and it, I, I need to look this guy's name up because I always forget it. His first guest was the Gymshark guy and, and my heart sank. I was like, oh, I'm, I'm little old imposter yeah. syndrome, yeah. right, Matt? Even a fearless business coach, right? So my heart sank because I was like, oh God, if he's getting guests on at that that level, right, what chance do I stand? But I was like, and then I checked in with myself and I was like, no, no, come on, we can do this. There's, there's a world out there where Robin features on the podcast. What do you have to do? So so I just continued on that process, being helpful, helping his team, getting to know his team, meeting up with him when I could and various other things like that. And and I didn't ask. I waited until the right time. And then how it transpired was, I think it was that they were up to about season four or five. And I, I reached out to his podcast manager and I just said, listen, I know you're about to record series six and seven and then Ali's going traveling. Can you put me on the subs bench? So if if somebody... You've got guests lined up. They're traveling from all around the world. If somebody can't show up or whatever last minute, just pick up the phone and call me. I'll come down so you don't lose that recording slot. You make best use of that time. And they're like, yeah, sure. And literally a week later on the Thursday, I got a call to record on the Tuesday. So I was like, right, canceled all my plans, childcare issues to resolve. My wife was supposed to be away working and stuff like this. So it's like, right, just had to can everything. And I, I knew that there was an opportunity. I didn't realise how big it was going to be, though, but I knew I've got to do this thing. <laughs> do you know what the first thing that happened was when I got off the train down to London on that Tuesday? Walked out of Paddington Station, this is behind the scenes, right, and I got pooped on by a pigeon all down like my <laughs> Which head, they say is lucky, right? My, so, you know. my Yeah, lucky, yeah. right? Just before you're about to go on a podcast that's got you know, several million laugh. subscribers. <laughs> All down my shirt, everything. But you know what, right? I've, I've done tons of speaking engagements and interviews and stuff like that. I never pack spare shirts. But this day, this Tuesday, I packed five because I was like, this is a big deal. If I get there and we're recording and setup's not right or I'm wearing the wrong color shirt, I need to spare. So I brought a spare fearless yes. shirt and four others, right? So ran into the hilt. Anyway, I, cut a long story short. So I got to the recording and 10 minutes, I, I had lunch with the guys. 10 minutes before, Ali goes... Do you know what? That thing that you just did with Tintin, so Tintin's one of his freelancers, and I did a bit of coaching with him over the lunch break on his prices. He said, That thing you did with Tintin, could we do that on the recording? I I was like, Yeah, cool. And so we did, and the rest is kind of history. So if if you watch it, you'll see we, we, we go through two role plays on the interview. I'm helping Ali just come up with a business idea, package it up, price it, talk about the value proposition. So we go through the whole business, basic business model for these two ideas. And do you know what? I think the key, so I'll talk about the results in a second because I think people will probably be a little bit blown away by this because it, it went nuts. But I think the key to the success of that podcast was like a lot of people show up on podcasts and they're kind of like, oh, wow, look at me. Look how amazing I am. Look at all the great stuff that I've done. And, and you know, they kind of get into podcast mode. Yeah. Do, do you know what I mean? They're kind of just like they're just presenting, right? And there's no real sort of value or like heartfelt like being helpful, I think that's the biggest difference. When we got onto that podcast, I I just went into coaching mode, which is very like, it's empathetic. I was listening hard. I was understanding where Ali was taking me on this journey and where I, where I felt I needed to take him in order to deliver value to the client. So it was a very different experience. And I think that's why it was so successful, but people want to know the numbers, right? So that interview, I think it's had 175,000 downloads now views on YouTube. It's not, Mega, but it's a lot compared to what I, I would get on my own channel, for yeah, example. Sure, yeah. In the first, could I get these numbers right? In the first 60 days, I got 1,200 leads. Yeah. I did an offer at the end of the podcast, which was, I'd taken a load of cop- signed copies down to um, uh, London with me, and we got 15 copies signed. So we were going to give away 15 copies of the book to the first 15 people who went onto the form and filled it out. And I kid you not, in that first 60 days, I had 600 people apply for a signed copy of the book. Mm. Do you know what I did? I signed 600 copies. I packed them. I took them down to Pauline at the post office and I sent them out and I fucking loved it. Sorry, I, d- I don't know if we were allowed to swear <laughs> or not. But... We are,
0: we are, absolutely.
1: But, so that impact, again, for me, I'm like, if I can just touch those 600 people who now got a copy of the physical copy of the book, I'm like, great. And there'll be the same, same offer for your listeners as well. And business wise, I think I got over the course of the following sort of three or four months over well over a hundred calls booked with like prospective clients, yeah. all d- all sorts of different types of businesses. And in total, I've booked 125 Ks worth of business Brilliant. just off one interview, which is like, it's, nuts Uh, I mean and I I, go on no go go for it carry on I was just going to say I I I had I mean bearing in mind I've been doing what I've been doing for 19 years I ran a marketing agency for 12 years and the penny finally dropped for me from a marketing perspective and you know what it was I realized in that moment that and i kind of been sucked into this trap a little bit myself I realized that a lot of small business owners are just like when it comes to getting clients they're like one by one by one by one yeah they don't think about that level of impact and the one by one by one is driven by a scarcity mindset remember what I said at the start to put money on their own tables they're always thinking about where's my next client coming from and now the first question I ask people when they ask me about a marketing question I'm like cool that's great you can do like social media posting and you can get an email list and Facebook group and all these things. But imagine if you had to get hundred clients by next Friday, what would you do? Yeah. Right. And all of a sudden you, you come at it from a completely different perspective because that's effectively, I didn't get a hundred clients, but I had a hundred, you know, warm leads, sales qualified leads come in, but it just total game changer, mindset shift in terms of my approach now to marketing. And I was like, I, this year, for example, I'm not doing any marketing I've decided I'm just not going to do marketing. I'm going to find two or three strategic partners to work with, who already share my audience that I can deliver exceptional value to, and then just focus on doing those. If I get onto two or three similar sized podcasts to Ali, that that it it snowballs from there. Yeah, yeah. You invite me on. There'll be other people who invite me onto podcasts. There's three written interviews which I've been invited to do. You know, and and it starts to snowball. I've even had an introduction. I, I look. This is. I'm speaking this out, and I, I don't want to be like Johnny Big Bollocks, like the guy who's like, "Hey, look, look at me." But I've had an introduction to one of Steve Bartlett's team. Now imagine that. Imagine if, in maybe not this year, but in the next couple of years, the you know my personal brand gets to a point where Steve, somebody like Steve Bartlett, director of a CEO,
0: which is like at the moment, it's like the pinnacle of yeah, the podcast yeah Seth Rogen and Steve Bartlett I think they're pro- in my mind two things I don't really pay much attention to but they're the biggest the big cheese aren't they I think
1: yeah that's it so 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 that's that. things like that are starting to happen and I, I'm like I could never have imagined that I would be in that situation where I might be in the same sentence as somebody like Steve Bartlett now it's not happened yet so it might never happen who knows but now I'm putting it out there I stand a better chance of doing
0: it yeah I mean that there's just so much to unpack there from what you've just said, and the and the results are great, and I love that. Um, one one thing just as a side note is I've got a couple of side notes actually whilst we're talking about this stuff. I started doing YouTube Shorts recently, and I did I've done five out of seven days. I've got a challenge on at the moment. We've got a it's kind of an accountability group, so there's about twenty of us uh, doing the same thing. And I looked today, and I looked at the stats, and it said something like two thousand five hundred views. So it's really small not even worth thinking about too much. But one of the things that occurred to me is it said 1700 new viewers, and then it had like 400 odd returning viewers. So that's people that have come back. And I just thought to myself, and and obviously when I'm sort of doing, mentoring with YouTube is like, imagine being able to go to somewhere and stand in front of 1700 people. If someone gave you that opportunity at a speaking event, you, you'd snap your hands, their hands off. You, you know, you'd be like, "Yes, definitely." Obviously, yep. with Ali's thing, it was a, a much, much bigger, huge opportunity. But what I want people who are listening to this, who are starting a channel, to think about is, you don't have to go for those big fish yet. One thing you said, Robin, was there's a world out there where Robin is on that podcast, and I love that because another thing you said on Ali's thing was about future you. And this is just about mm. you said being intentional. It's about you it, not being accepting, but you kind of surrendering to the fact. In my world, we say that a lot, but surrendering to the fact that there is a version of you in the future somewhere that has just got that opportunity and has taken it with both hands. And you, you know, you as intentional. You, I love the sub bench thing as well because it's much less asky than saying, "Oh, could I be on your podcast?" It's saying, "Oh." You know, it's quite humble, actually. I, I know I'm probably not the right guest for your podcast, but if the opportunity arises and you here I am, I'm ready for you. I think that's a great way to sort of pitch. I think I'd like to be more direct. I try to be more direct when I'm asking for those kind of opportunities, but I just love the, the idea that you've um, uh, pitched it in that way.
1: I think the key thing, Matt, is if you're leading with value, if, you're get, if it's not just, hey, this is about me getting on your podcast, if you're leading with value, and there's a way that you can help that person achieve something else, and it might be a, something as simple as an introduction to somebody, or like I've done with Ali, um, Ali already has two amazing business coaches, like one of them, you know, Dan Priestley, yeah. and the other one, a guy called Eric Partake, who's a like, phenomenal coach, I don't need to coach Ali but I know that his team are a bunch of freelancers and they could all benefit from me spending a bit of time with them and I could be helpful. So for me, it's like, it's easy and effortless to be able to do stuff like that where it, um, it ties in with what I do on a daily basis anyway, but it's adding a phenomenal amount of value to their business as well. And Ali's business ultimately. So I had a guy reach out to me this morning, in fact, who I've been through Ali's, interview actually I had a bit of back and forth with this guy on LinkedIn and he's interested in what I'm what Fearless Business is all about and his email it was really fascinating when you start to look into the psychology of it but his email was along the lines of you're probably going to say no but I'd love to get you on my podcast and I don't know whether that whether I'll, I'll be interested I'll probably ask him like about it when you know whether or he'll tell me about it probably when we do catch up and record his podcast whether he thinks that somehow I'm like an elevated position yeah, yeah. above him or something like that, right? It's a perception. I, I don't see myself as being any different to this guy. And I'm humbled that some anybody would invite me onto their podcast, yeah. whether they've got one subscriber or a million, it, it, it doesn't matter to me. It's the fact that they um respect, us. probably not the right word, but they respect me enough to to warrant inviting me on to do something with them. Yeah. Right. Now, now I only have a finite amount of time. So there's only so many of those sorts of invitations that I would be able to you know, accept. Um, But I I think, you know, following on from your comment there about, you know, or I'd hesitate to ask because I wouldn't feel that necessary. Ask. you just got to ask, but ask and
0: put something in
1: as a part of that deal. Like add some value. Yeah, yeah. Give them a reason Um, to
0: say yes or, you know, offer something. Yeah. Exactly. The
1: second thing which people can do as well, and and a lot of people don't, you know, we're we're kind of a bit... um, with with the internet, right? The internet's been around now for 30 plus years. I think it was 1990, wasn't it? So yeah, 34 years we're heading into, right? So, and I was fortunate that I got into the internet at a relatively young age and building websites and stuff like yeah. that. I think we're also, um, we hide behind that a lot of people. We believe that because the internet exists, we can have like a global business online and hide, sit behind a computer. You cannot be, Getting in the same room as people, so this is like my second big tip as well. When I want to do something with somebody, I make damn sure that I I support them in person. So if there's like an event happening down in London or something, or over like I'll try and get to that event and make sure I'm there and make sure I get a selfie with that person and I have a co- short conversation with them and I ask them like you know um, what I, I can do to help them. Basically, is there anything that I can do? And it was really, it was really interesting, actually. So for a very long time, I'm being really, just going to be really honest with you now, right? So we we caught up at Atomicon, yeah. last year, which is a fantastic event that Andrew and Pete run. And again, I'd recommend anybody's interested in sort of marketing and stuff like that get along to Atomicon in June. Fantastic event up in Newcastle. But Chris Doe uh, was the keynote, and he got f- flown in at the last minute because the the keynote couldn't make it, unfortunately. Now I know Chris. And I have just got back from delivering, co-delivering a retreat in Tenerife with one of his associate coaches, a guy called Matt Essen. Anyway, so Chris Doe's at Atomicon and Dan Priestley's their marketing score app. So I'm named, dropping lots of names here and people are probably like, who are these people? But that you you, if you follow these people, yeah. right? Because they're, they're just great influencers, great great business minds. Now I saw Chris, Dan and my friend Matt have, sitting and having lunch together now most people would probably look at that and go oh it's the keynote is Dan Priestley I couldn't possibly intrude by going and sitting with those people and that that thought initially fleeted you know f- f- flew across my mind and I was like no no I know I know them all like I've been in Dan's world for a long time I work with Matt Matt knows Chris it's fine so off I trotted just went and sat down we had the best conversation um you know I ended up having supper with Chris was able to give Chris a signed copy of my book and then i'm like chris how can i help you and there's a chance i don't know whether it's going to happen yet but again this is about being in the you know being in the room with people having the confidence to ask i might be on chris's podcast as well the future podcast which again he's got 2 million subscribers on youtube he's got a big big following very very um uh what's what's the word Very, just like a, a really um intense following as well yeah, they're yeah. like really they love his work they're like all you know all freelancers and creative agencies and they're just like uh, all all
0: over chris's channel
1: but you, you've got to be in the same room as these people as well
0: yeah and 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 clearly from what you said about being in the mastermind with ali like that, that's so valuable uh, i had the same thing and I, people talk about opportunity and they put it next to look at A lot of the time when I'm talking about speaking engagements, I'm like, if your intention about it is not look, I got a gig in Singapore early into my speaking career and I knew the woman that ran the conferences. She did one in Singapore, Hong Kong, Australia, and New Zealand. And I was like, I'd love to go to those places. I was super selfish about it. I just wanted to travel. I was like, if only I can get in a room with that person or get in on her radar. And I was at another conference in Vegas at the time and I found out where she was drinking and I just went to the bar and had, had a drink and she was there and I was like, name's Debbie. I was like, Hey Debbie, how you doing? We got chatting. And by the end of that com- conversation, she said to me, why don't you come and speak at my conference? I had to have, at the time I had a really niche topic that I talked about. So I was there's only a few of us in the world that talked about that topic, but I got what I wanted because I put myself in a position where to do it now. Don't get me wrong, I could have been out partying in Vegas somewhere else, but I knew what I was there for and what I wanted to do. And and you you're right, you just have to you just have to take the chances. When I went to Vid Summit, did the same thing, knew when the speaker dinner was, put myself in the lobby, saw all the speakers getting together, I said, Hey, where are you going, guys? Knowing they were going to the speaker dinner oh we're going to have some food oh is it like invite only I'll kind of come along oh no it'll be fine it was Nick Nimmin one of the speakers at T-Fest he was like I'll oh, just go and ask her this guy yeah. asked him and he said yeah come along and they went to a Mexican and I sat with all the speakers but again it wow. was intentional I, I you've got to do that you've got to step out and do those mm-hmm. things in order to get to the next level that you want to get to I, I think and what you've just described clearly shows that
1: it just as a side note as well like this will be short but A lot of people when they're doing marketing, what's the famous quote, you know, some of your marketing works, it's just you don't, or 50% of your marketing works, it's just you don't know which 50% it is, right? right? So a lot of people are out there probably spending lots of money on doing social and various like PR and various different marketing campaigns and stuff like that. Do you know what I noticed as well? The thing about the Ali interview and what I've done now starting to follow this through and use it as part of my strategy moving forward, it's free. (laughs) All the things that I've probably spent tens, probably if not hundreds of thousands of pounds on marketing activities over the last like goodness knows how long. And then I stumble across something which is the most productive ever, like, you know, in terms of like from an audience growth perspective. And it's, it's completely free. Yeah, And it's like, you know, find that out after 19 years. It's like absolutely, you know, infuriating. But, and the thing is as well, like Matt, you just told a couple of stories there you went to Singapore and you went to uh, Vegas and like, An Atomicon, we had some good networking at Atomicon as well. That's where we caught up. And I think a lot of stuff sparked for you from there as well. But that's like a plane flight in a hotel. It doesn't really cost a lot to put yourself in the room with these people either. And you mainly have to do it like a few times a year to get what you want out of it. So folks, maybe think about redirecting some of your marketing budget to go and hang out with some cool, influential people, basically. Even if it's just to go and take a selfie with them, at least they now know who you are. And I think as well for, for the YouTubers out there, and I—I I now tell me you can correct me, Matt, if I'm going to get this entirely wrong because I'm going to make a massive broad generalisation. Now, right? I think a lot of YouTubers fall into that camp of hiding behind the camera, hiding behind the screen. Yeah, and they don't necessarily get out there and collaborate with other YouTubers. Yeah, and,
0: and totally. And I think that was the missed opportunity, really, for the UK and for Europe, which is why we created Two Fest in the first place. Like, I, when I wanted to go and hang out with other creators. I found that I had to go to LA and don't get me wrong. It's great going there, but it's five grand. The, the, the trip in total was about five grand. Like that's not an accessible yeah. experience for a lot of people. And so with two fest, I was like, well, how can we bring all of these people together in the UK and do that instead? So yeah, definitely. Yeah. I even look for like, when I first started my, in my tech career with there was like user groups so it was like the sharepoint user group and you could go to nottingham and have a had a beer and a curry with a, like 20 guys that were doing this uh, mostly guys because it was tech and there were some women in there as well but we had the curry and a drink with these guys i ended up working for two of the people i met at these groups one of them was a software company i nice. worked there for six months the other one was a training company i worked there for 18 months um had but i would not have got those opportunities i was working in a, a school at the time I was getting paid really low money and I think I got like a 10 grand pay rise and then another five grand for each of those businesses respectively so it, it, it is true it is you know having this conversation has made it occur to me that it wasn't. was it? It didn't just happen. I put myself out there. I went to do those things, and you—you just got to do it. And so, you know, our pitch to yeah. come to Two Fest and come and hang out with these creators—that's the whole purpose of it. Of course, I don't think we need to bang on about it or pitch it anymore. It is just what it is.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. And I would—I'd probably emphasize the point as well of like, you know, if you are running a YouTube channel, this is to business owners as well. You're going to have a lot of business owners probably listening to this podcast. So I'll speak to both audiences. Yeah. But I think the third mistake which I see people making is that they do sometimes let their ego get in the way. So what I mean by that is that they are building a YouTube channel, for example, and they're getting the subscribers. But they feel like they're on this one person mission and they have to do it all themselves. And, I, and again, that's a very valuable lesson which I've learned because I've been through periods of my life in both of my businesses where I've probably done too much on my own yeah. And I think, like, just because I either have the knowledge and I think I can do it better than everybody else, or just because through just stu- sheer stupidity, basically, and my ego thought that I should be doing that stuff. But actually, again, you know, the interview made me realize that when one plus one equals three, basically, if you. Have other people. If you've got ten thousand subscribers or five thousand or hundred thousand, doesn't matter. If you've got a load of subscribers and you're, you're watching your, your subscriber count go up slowly, go and find other YouTubers who've got five thousand or ten thousand or fifty yeah. or hundred thousand followers. F- figure out what you've got in common and then help each other out. Like those collaborations, I don't. I don't need to tell you, Matt. You know this is part of your strategy. But those those collaborations are absolutely key, and it's the same for small business owners because. You'll all of a sudden see your subscriber count jump by several hundred or several thousand just by doing one one activity rather than that slow kind of organic grind. You know, you can speed the process up.
0: Yeah. And, And there's a couple of little hacks actually you can do that help that. The first one is you can create a playlist on YouTube. And so mine's called Featured in Collabs. So I have a playlist, it's dedicated, it's the bottom of my channel and it's all of the things I've been on or spoken at, um, uh, Desiree, who's another one, uh, who's the MC for TwoFest. She did a, like, um, a, a, an end of year thing with like 12 different creators. And she asked me to, to submit my part to that. So that's one of them, you know, there's loads of things there. So that's a playlist dedicated to that because it adds some credibility to you because you can see then, okay, this might be a small creator, but look who they're hanging out with. Look who they're getting to be guests on and and you can see that the bigger like if you added Ali's video to your channel which I'm sure you've done already anyway it just adds some more credibility and then the other thing you can do which someone told me recently was create the same thing in Spotify so if you think about how people consume content now Spotify's got podcasts I've got a playlist called interviews with Matt or or king of video interviews something like that and it's all the ones I've been featured on there and then if somebody asks me can you show me a show reel or something like that? I can say, well, there's my featured playlist. There's my Spotify podcast. Go and uh, listen or watch those things. They're just really simple. Again, something you made, you said on Ali's thing was about making things simple for, for people. They don't have yeah. time to go and watch all the things and listen to all the things, but you can make it easy for them. Hundred percent. There's two things. The two last things I want to say. Uh, firstly, you introduced me. You mentioned Angus earlier. You introduced me to Angus when I was trying to get Ali to speak at Too Fest, which we couldn't quite work out because, you, as you mentioned, he's traveling. But isn't it – what's wonderful, when you do things in the way that you've described, you, you know, fulfilling business, isn't it wonderful how lovely people are when you speak to them? Because I was in the same boat. You said – I I think we spoke off, off by chance about Ali, and you said, oh, actually, yeah, I've just – I know his, um, whatever Angus is, his business manager or whatever. And you were like, oh, do you want an intro? And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Well, I'm not scared to email people and ask, you know. So I thought, yeah, I'll do it. But it was so lovely and so welcoming of the opportunity and again, our, our own brain goes like, well, why would they want to work with me? They don't know who I am, what I have do. Mm-hmm. I've got no social proof around this stuff like they have. So I just wanted to shout out Angus because he, he was so like open to anything we could do to try and work together. And I think if you've got a team like that, it's a, it's a really great thing.
1: Yeah. He, um, just a sharing behind again behind the scenes. I mean, I've been to lots of different sort of working environments and seen lots of different teams in action. action. I mean, it's no surprise or coincidence that Ali's book, you know, is called "Feel Good Productivity." I kid you not. When I went into film, his office and his team had just the best vibe. Yeah. I think I've ever seen in like a working environment. It was it was chilled. There there was like an air of excitement. Like people are just eager to learn. You know, felt completely welcomed. You know, like it was a second home. It was just phenomenal. There's, this as I think there's also something to be said about good leadership. Yeah, you know, uh, I think Ali's an excellent leader, and the team which he has brought on really reflects that. It was honestly such a joy to go and film that. Well, you know, and the results are a bonus, but the experience is like second. Well, to none. Uh,
0: well, I'm so excited for you, Robin, because we got that when we went Atomicon, right? So Atomicon is in June. Uh, all, big fans of Andrew and Pete. Andrew and Pete are my coaches, were coaches as well. Um, so definitely always um, promo in Atomicon. Um, But you're going to get that at TubeFest because I I can tell you one thing that occurs to me is the Atomicon audience is great. It's a really lovely marketing audience. It's very different to some of the events that I've been to business networking. I really cringe at the the idea of business networking because a lot of it is stuffy uh, suits and that kind of thing, but you don't get that Atomicon. Mm. In the creator space, you've got that as well. When you meet full-time creators, they are a different type of human because They've really got, you have the three S. What was it? Finance, freedom, and what's the F? fulfillment, Fulfillment. finance, freedom and fulfillment. So they really have that. And so of course it's a great environment to be around those people because they have all of the things that you would require to live a a fulfilled life, you Mm know? Last thing I want to say, because we said, do you know what? I started this just before I got Robin and I said it'd be about 20, 30 minutes, Robin. We're 45 minutes in as I knew it would probably (laughs) go that way. The last thing I wanted just to point out is something that came across passively as you were talking is you said you found this marketing thing and it turned out to be free. And one of the biggest problems or challenges that new YouTube creators have is thinking, what if I give all of my stuff away for free? Will anyone buy from me? But what they misunderstand is the equity of your audience, the total value of that audience. And you described it with Chris and you said, like, he's got agency owners and all that stuff. When those people that have that audience direct that audience to something, they move And not fake influences where they, uh, you've all heard the story of the influence that had millions of subscribers and couldn't sell any t-shirts. But when you've got a dedicated audience like that, they move. And so I just want to make the point that you can give away your stuff for free and still run a successful, profitable business. Um, So yeah, 100%. You know how much I give away, Matt. Like like I give my
1: books away even, you know, and that's got is that that timely? Is it can I do a shameless Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, go for it.
0: Yeah.
1: So so this book, like I said, you know, I my goal is to send um to give away two to three thousand copies of this book a year.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. Because I know my numbers. I for every hundred copies I give away, I typically get two what 1.8 clients. That's the stats on it, right? So um, but within it, the, the thing which I get the most amount of joy out of is when I've given somebody the book and they come back to me, email message. I get the odd voice note from people. I've even had a video as well this year from somebody already saying, I read the book. I applied the principles to my business and you never guess what I'm making like two and a half times more, more money than I was making before. And I was like, brilliant. If people read a book and they get the principles and they're able to implement it and apply it and they get the result, like ask me, I'm made up right? They don't need to be my client, which, and the key word is they don't need to be, but they, why do they come to me? Cause they're like, now I've bit, built instant trust and credibility because I've shown them a result without expecting anything in return. And now they're like, it would be really fun for us to work together. I'm like, great. Yeah. I, I feel you. Yeah. Let's, let's do some work together. If I feel I can add even more value. So that's the great thing about the book. But the, the other thing is as well, like nine people out of every 10 people, they may understand the principles, but not, um, so they, they'll get the principles, but they won't see how they can apply those principles to their business in a way that's effective. So most people, you can give all of your IP away, but there will still be a huge group of people who need help with the implementation piece. Yeah. So that's where a good coach comes into the pitch and say, or actually, if you put that foot there or put this thing here or put that thing on your website, or do, you know, put your price up a little bit, or what's the mindset thing which is stopping you, they'll still need that bit of help. And this is why I know this is probably another podcast topic in its own right, but so I won't bang on about this. A lot of inexperienced coaches are worried that AI is going to do them out of a job. It won't, because you can't beat the nuances of this yeah, yeah. of you and I eyeballing each other and having a conversation. And me seeing how your body language shifts, or when you, you, I can see your heart's racing. You start to sweat a little bit because maybe I'm asking difficult questions, yeah. or you know, whatever. You, you don't get those nuances. Like coaching is safe for good coaches. Yeah. Coaching is safe for like at least another decade or two yet. And be give stuff away. Like it, it's be helpful. Like it just goes back to that same value again. Like be helpful. Like change people's lives. You can do it for free. Yeah.
0: And it, and if you track it, clearly you're a tracker of this stuff. Tonight it's one point eight. Uh, people but if you track it you can see the journey they've taken a lot of the times we have a crm mm-hmm. and it, it tags people as they download the free things and and so you'll see by the time they give us money there's like a list of all the tags and there's like oh they've taken my scorecard they've downloaded my free guide they've done done all the things and it takes that time sometimes for people to go like i'm impulsive i would, if i like the sound of it i'll give you the money but for a lot of people they need nurturing and it takes a bit of time as well robin thank you Understand. so much I'll you know <laughs> here we are 50 minutes in um uh, really enjoyed the conversation I know we're going to have a great conversation at two fest um robin is on the business track so you'll have a chance to see him there may 23rd 2024 if you've not got that already from the podcast we'll link to the book have you got a book funnel then is that the general business how, how do people get on it funnels
1: another one of those words. It gives me the ick a little bit, Matt. So I I'm I've got signed copies of the book, which I'm giving away. So yes. that's at fearless.biz forward slash TYS. So you're welcome to share that. And literally anybody who wants to um wants a copy of it i like i said i'll march it down to the post office and hand
0: them over to pauline and they'll be on their way wicked and robin is is very you'll find him on google very easily so go and check him out and we'll put all of this stuff in the show notes all that's left to say is thank you robin really appreciate your time and i look forward to seeing you in may Likewise, Matt. really appreciate you inviting me on. Yeah, very excited for Cheap Fest.
1: I think I've, I've probably said that about a dozen times behind the scenes in the WhatsApp group. Can't wait for June or May, isn't it? May, can't wait for May. It's going to be amazing. Good to see you in the next episode, guys. Bye.